It's the Braincast, Braincast, the PopBrain.com. Braincast, Braincast, listen to the show, because you're in for the PopBrain.com. Braincast, Braincast, oh Hello, and welcome to the Anniversary Brothers Podcast, where we talk about the anniversaries of your favorite TV shows and movies. Uh, I'm your host, Aaron Sarnecki, and uh, joining me, as always, is my brother, Josh Sarnecki. Good morning. Uh, You know, I was thinking of saying good morning, you know, good morning if you are, you know, listening to this, you know, past midnight and you're still awake, you know. (laughs) <laughs> great to slay, stay up late mm-hmm. so um if that's any indication to you uh we are talking about a um kind of like the biggest th- not kind of the biggest throwback that we have ever done uh, we are talking about uh singing in the rain for its 70th anniversary um you know uh, when i told josh that uh i wanted to do a podcast on this movie he asked is that the oldest thing we've ever uh podcasted on i said yes by far um the only thing that comes sort of close is um, when we talked about the adam west batman series from 1966 Uh but even Mm -hmm. then that's you know got some almost 14 years after singing in the rain Okay. Yeah, I was gonna. My guess was gonna be um, Superman, but right. No. Yes, from 1980. Yeah. yeah. And we oh. and we did do uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. Uh, that was 1970. So. Okay. We yeah. haven't. So this. This is a throwback for sure. Yeah. I, um, I remember when it came out, just right, like it was before, yesterday. You know. This movie turned forty before we were born so <laughs> <laughs> yeah to, so just say it's a a classic that predates us would be a bit of an understatement yeah um but like this movie predates our parents yeah it does it's, it's it is definitely an older it on the older side yeah. d- depending on you know i don't know sometimes i'm like you know if it if it came out you know, post 2008, I consider it to be a new movie and anything before that's an old movie. <laughs> <laughs> there was the before the dark night and the after the dark. Night. I mean, a little bit is like that. Um, but obviously we, we, we weren't around when this, this came out, but um, I think we both have a pretty good recollection of um, when we first saw it. Um, so I remember watching this on TV probably about seven years ago on Turner Classic Movies. I'm not 100% sure if it was during their uh, March uh, 31 Days of Oscar um, sort of uh, marathon that they usually do. Um, because as we'll get into a little bit, this movie actually wasn't nominated for that many Oscars, which is really shocking to think about now. Um, but yeah, I remember watching it, uh, then, um, and I know you watched this in a class in grad school, right? Uh, no, no, no. In, in undergrad. Oh, in undergrad. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, I watched this in a film class. I took my senior year at the university of Delaware. Oh, okay. Go blue hens. Um, yeah, so I, I took a film class, I think, in is either fall or spring. Semester. I mean, those are the only two options, but it was so, definitely my senior year. Yeah, okay, because my recollection, because I had actually seen this movie before you, so now now I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so this is 
I mean, that would mean this would be like one of the few classic movies I'd seen before you. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to give you credit. I'm, I'm going to say I saw it before you still. Cause... <laughs> uh, you can't backtrack now. Yeah. It's too late for that. We've got you on record. You said seven years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that means I saw this if it would have been 2013 or 2014. So, yeah. uh, you know, almost eight or nine years ago. But yeah, I, I saw it for the, the film class I was taking. Um, and I remember really enjoying it and then actually ended up writing my final paper for the class on, on this movie. So, uh, I, I have pretty strong memories of being in the basement of the library, uh, uh, just like looking up the lyrics and the different songs and singing on the radio and be like, uh, what's, what's, what goes in Mm -hmm. my thesis statement? What is this? Right. Um, that, I mean, that sort of reminds me, like, when when I was in film uh, class, um, when it was in college, we always had to write something for our tests, like, after the movie we watched. I, I do remember one time when I took my film study class in high school, I was just really tired, and we, we were watching The Searchers, and um, I, I fell asleep, and then, like, I woke up for, like, the last half hour. And then I had to write something after. I was like, okay, I don't really remember. Everyone was like, yeah, that movie was so good. And I was like, oh, I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up, I mean, I, I rented it years later. But unfortunately, <laughs> you were awake for your your exam. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was, wasn't an exam, just kind of just a, a paper. A paper, to, yeah. Yeah, but no, no, that's good to know. So. Uh, the Searchers is better than melatonin. Anyone suffering from insomnia? There you no, go. No, no. Don't you joking. dare say that. Joking, joking. Um, no, but it, yeah, I I really enjoyed this movie when I when I watched it. Whether or not I watched it before you, that's going to be a point of contention. But um, yeah, when you watched it on TV, do you remember enjoying it? Uh, yeah, I remember liking it. Um, but. I, I again my I'm a little fuzzy like if I had saw it before you I don't remember telling you about it it's not like now where like you'll ask me a lot of times it's like hey what have you been up to and I'll be like oh I watched this movie and you'll be like I don't know anything about that movie <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh I assume that is a movie that's right, that's yeah. really my only response right. yeah um no but I I feel like even you know no matter what age I, I was i would have recognized this movie from from a young age if not from knowing the song itself right um from at least knowing that it was featured on the um was it the great movie ride at it, disney world yes that that was um my best knowledge of it along with the searchers both were actually featured oh, yeah. yeah um uh they had the trailers and like little animatronics uh there's a little gene kelly uh on a lamppost uh singing uh so yeah i was always constantly aware of it and i'm always like this movie looks very like interesting because especially like going on that ride it really like they're showing you stuff from like the beginning of like the sound era into, you know, the 21st century. And it's really kind of a trip. Like mm-hmm. you just see how much movies have changed. Yeah. Like you, you have that. And then like, you have the stuff for like alien in that ride also. Yeah. I, I feel like that ride is like a film class in and of itself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was, I was, I, that might've been my motivation to to watch. It was like, I'm finally going to see this movie. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's right. There are certain parts of the, the movie that stand out to me so much because of that ride. Uh Um, like the, the transition for when they first say like, Oh, look now, like, uh, movies with sound, like talkies are now. All right. Yeah. All the like people singing into the sort of jive or whatever yeah like with the the glittery neon backgrounds um and like the chorus and then like the the broadway you know sort of big number near the end of the movie 
mm-hmm. the god of dance. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 interesting that that is one of the things that kind of was our first introduction to an iconic movie. But you know, I mean, that's that's the thing about iconic movies that they pop up mm-hmm. everywhere, uh, right. sometimes where you least expect them. Right. Um, so I guess getting into the plot of the movie, um, what's the plot of the movie? Uh, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, that's kind of one of the things I said in my, my paper originally. Uh, basically, it's all about the transition from the silent film era to the um, to the, the musical, to the, the, the talkies, um, where we have an actor, a silent film actor, Don Lockwood, played by Gene Kelly. Um, and suddenly there is this transition to, to talking pictures. And he and his screen partner, Lena Lamont, played by Gene Hagen, um, are then, you know, forced to make this transition. Um, unfortunately, uh, Lena does not have a, uh, a voice really made for, uh, for radio or for talkies. Um, but in comes Demi Reynolds' character, Kathy Selden, who... Um, is kind of has like a run in with uh, Gene Kelly's character early on. And then they kind of get into this um, cute little romance and uh, gradually Kathy, Debbie Reynolds character uh, ends up being the voice for Lena Lamont um, in the first talkie that they're, they're filming. And so it's all about the, uh, the push and pull of getting Lena to, uh, you know, be fooled or not be aware that she's having her voice taken out and being replaced Uh by Kathy. And then, you know, ultimately leads to some, some drama at the end between them. Mm -hmm. I mean, as, as much drama as a, you know, glitzy, you know, fifties musical would have. Oh man, let me tell you there, there were some fists thrown. (laughs) I mean, maybe at, at Don when he was a stunt man, Okay. Yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely plenty there. Uh, no, I mean it's it's mostly, you know, a, a straightforward love story between mm-hmm. uh, Don and Kathy, and then yeah, you also have this kind of look into film history with mm-hmm. the transition and right. what it must what it might have been like for mm-hmm. um, actors and actors in that time. So right. si- yeah. similar to the the artist to like right. name a more recent film. Right. Right. Um, the artist has come up on a couple of podcasts recently just cause, uh, they were talking about it. It was, uh, up against Moneyball at the same, uh, Oscars. And they were like, I, I know that was another movie that you, you liked a lot. I remember seeing that together. And now people are like, remember that movie? Not really. <laughs> I don't know. It had a dog in it. The it dog should have won the an dog, Oscar. The dog was great in that movie. Best but supporting yeah. actor. It, it, it is interesting though. Th- these movies have very different approaches is like, we're going to make a movie about the transition from silent movies to talkies. One goes and says, okay, it's a, it's going to be a musical. And the other one says, it's going to be a silent movie. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So like complete and, and it's going to be in black and white. Um, Yeah. um, Like you said, there's not too much going on with the plot. Um, and it's something that's like, uh, I mean, I guess it's, it's interesting that this movie ended up becoming so iconic because it wasn't really initially. Right. Like when they introduced it, when Ben Mackenwitz was talking, uh, for the intro, we, we, oh yeah, by the way, we actually saw this movie in theaters, together yeah together it's the first movie that josh and i have seen you know rewatched in a theater because uh turner classic movies had a, a screening on sunday so uh they were talking about the fact that this movie for some reason was just so overshadowed by gene kelly in an american in paris that people were for some reason uninterested in this one which just seems like such a bizarre bizarre notion that like you would think it would make this movie more popular yeah it's like oh i like gene kelly in that one movie well that's enough of him um 
like yeah why didn't people flock to this one then mm-hmm. right because i think this movie i i honestly think this movie is better i mean than an american in paris i mean that's the one that won best picture mm-hmm. and i think you know was the bigger hit but this movie i think just in terms of the music and the uh this the choreography um and just the story and the jokes i think it just all lands better i think um i mean they're very they're they're both very similar in that it's all about sort of a boy meets girl and there's sort of this uh little bit of romantic comedy but i think this movie just does it better i think that um I don't know. It's just the material um, lands more. Mm. Um, I I forget who um, could you look up who, who was in American in Paris? Cause, cause I know it's, what is it? Donald O'Connor. He's, he's the uh, sort of the sidekick to uh, Gene Kelly in this one, right? Yes. Um, yeah. So the, cast of american in paris so yeah gene kelly uh leslie karen yeah she's a french actress i think uh oscar levant uh-huh you want to keep going no i mean if you my point is i think that one of the reasons why this movie just works better is that just besides the music um i think that the um the plot is just the plot lends more to the comedy um i think that uh just sort of the uh the 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 core trio just has so much more they just have a lot of chemistry together oh for sure like it's it's really amazing how well they they like get along and like just the like the the playfulness between like the banter early on and then just seeing them really evolve into this really wonderful trio mm-hmm. um which is is interesting having read some of the behind the scenes information about uh maybe them not getting along so well oh yeah when yeah. they weren't filming right right yeah it's always interesting when like um like the the actors are always like able to the put on like sort of a, fa- a facade like uh i remember our grandma she was telling me that natalie wood and whoever the actor who was tony and west side story didn't like each other but you know they were in love in the movie <laughs> yeah well and and that's also really appropriate for this movie given that you know very early on we have lena lamont like convinced that she and and don are like like romantically engaged because that's what happens in all their films and that's Mm -hmm. what all of the um you know the the magazines say it's like no in reality don can't stand lena Uh right yeah i mean um is is that an aspect you you think i mean i mean over a hundred years of um movies you know so many decades of romantic comedies it it can it can kind of almost feel like you go back to the classics and you're like well it's just so basic but like does that sort of like sort of love triangle if you can call it that work for you um yeah i mean i i think it's 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 done well and i mean i think it's very early on um like given like the proper comedic elements rather than making it too serious so like when uh kathy tries to you know uh pie or cake uh don in the face and ends up hitting lena like that's classic like wonderful uh you know physical comedy um so no, I, I think it it works well, even if it's not exactly something that we're, you know, not used to seeing. I mean, we see it all the time. But no, I, I think it works well. And really, I also, what was the last movie you saw somebody get a pie in the face? 
Oh, well, not that specifically, but I mean like the love triangles. Like yeah, we, we yeah. see plenty of love triangles. Yeah. Um, I will say this is somewhat of a tangent, but I did find it funny that uh, Lena was so uh, like wrapped up in like the fantasy world that she and Don had created on film that she was uh-huh. convinced that they were a couple. Because having just talked about um, the Legend of Korra, where one of the characters, Bo Lin, uh, believes that he and the actress he is in a uh, a film with are in right. love, it's like ah yes, this is where right this is where yeah. Paul got it. It's just like it's just it's just for the fans. Yeah, yeah, um, but doesn't get it. Just like Lena doesn't get it. So mm-hmm. no, I I thought that was. Um, you know, just a, a fun coincidence for the month. But and also, I, I think it's, I, I think it's somewhat relatable. Like we still, like, when we see actors together, you know, and they're a couple. Like, there's always those people that like w- want to believe in real life that like they'll get together, and like when they do get together, like people become a little obsessed with it. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean. And, and it's it is definitely charming when it happens. Like you know, you have like your your Zendaya and and Tom Holland's, but then you have you know plenty of other ones that just like don't work or just uh, maybe that's just a Spider Man thing. I think every actor who's played Spider Man has ended up actually dating uh, the actors who play the love interest in real life. Oh, okay. Gosh. At least Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. Yeah, I know that one. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's it. It, it, that's one of the parts of this movie that I think is a really fun commentary or just look into just kind of some of the, the nature of a filmmaking, especially mm-hmm. at that time. Um, th- there's one other thing that you know, I, I don't know if we want to get into this just yet, mm-hmm. um, but that, that does bug me and uh-huh. I think is, is very ironic about this film. Oh, I think I I know what it's going to be, but you you can say what it is. Is is it about dubbing of certain actors? Yes. <laughs> uh, no, I mean it it it. I I love this movie just like flat out. I I think this movie is wonderful. I love the songs. I love the performances. I love the relationships. It bugs me that the like one of the the premises of this movie is that. Lena can't sing that she doesn't have a um, like a a, a, know, a pleasing voice to listen to. Yeah. Um, and so they need to dub over her. Uh-huh. And so that's when Kathy comes in and, and Kathy ends up doing the singing for her um, and the, the speaking lines in, in the, the movie that Don and Lena make the uh, dancing cavalier. But... One thing that is not credited in in any way shown in the film is that when Demi Reynolds' character, Kathy, is singing, that is not actually her singing. Yeah. Instead, it is another actress, uh, Betty Noyes, or, or Noyes, I'm not sure how to pronounce her name, Yeah. Um, who provided the singing voice for Demi Reynolds and also... Um, spoke the line uh, or the lines during the the film within a film uh, for dubbing Lena. So we have this whole movie telling us that, oh, Kathy should get credit for voicing mm-hmm. Lena's character. She should get recognition. It's not fair for Lena to get all the you know yeah. spotlight and Kathy to be just brushed off to the side. Mm-hmm. And what did the movie do? It brushed off Betty Noyes to the side so that no one has heard of her. She has like very little acting credits and yeah. like like really like no you know um, major on screen roles right. to speak of. Right. Um, because they brushed her aside and just used her voice. It's yeah. Like, so <laughs> it's very ironic. Um, yeah, and that's just that was very common. Um, I think it's more common now to credit you know um if they will use somebody else's voice but yeah i mean west side story like only like one actor was their own singing voice like everybody else was somebody else Mm -hmm. um that was just uh 
that just used to be really really the norm um of course people say oh well now you you have them sing and you just auto-tune it <laughs> so <laughs> i mean yeah i mean you, you do get that but and, and like this is i i guess somewhat still relevant in maybe more like animated movies where like you'll have one person doing the the this the speaking they, they do, lines yeah but, but they, then someone's they'll singing. get credited but they will get credit you're right yeah, yeah this idea of like not crediting the person isn't really yeah no that's definitely like that that person should be should be credited um yeah uh yeah um josh is gonna go on a whole campaign he said you know 70 years later said did you know (laughs) it's singing in rain she didn't sing for herself okay so and 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 i want to clarify that i love debbie reynolds i think she's wonderful in this i think she is Amazing as the grandmother in the Halloween Town movies. She was the voice uh, of Charlotte and Charlotte's Web. Ah, uh, iconic. Uh, and obviously, you know, the the mother of Carrie Fisher. So, you know, responsible yeah. for Princess Leia. So yeah. I so much credit to Reynolds. And she does a wonderful job in this movie. Yeah. Um but Betty Noyes deserves oh man, <laughs> fall into like a New York accent or something. Yeah. Uh, deserves credit. Right. Uh, so I know. Right, in the special edition, they'll add it. Yeah, I'm just saying, I I think... uh, That's sort of like, it's it's sort of, uh, to go on another weird tangent, when when Star Wars came out, um, I don't think it was until Return, Return of the Jedi that James Earl Jones was credited for the voice. And then the special editions, I think they later went back. But then what what was ironic is that he ended up becoming so much more known for the role than the actor in the suit, David Prowse and David mm. Prowse became very resentful. of it. <laughs> that is interesting. I, I, I feel like that might have to do something with the mask. I feel and, like um, masks and don't... especially because George Lucas didn't tell David Prowse about the twist in empire strikes back, but he told, uh, D- uh, James Earl Jones. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd be pissed too. I, I, I can't, I can't argue with that. Yeah. So it's just um, like we still see like all this, you know, people getting upset for things. Um, somebody who did everything for himself in this movie was Gene Kelly. Um, he definitely did all. His, they, you know, did not superimpose somebody else's legs onto his body. I mean, I mean, let's talking about a. Da- Can we talk about the dancing for a, l- a little bit? So I don't consider myself. I, I'm not a dancer. I, you'd have to pay me to dance, but I do enjoy watch people dancing, mm-hmm. um, in movies. Um, you know, uh, watching you know this movie uh, or watching like Saturday Night Fever. Like, I, I really am into watching like dancing scenes. Um, I mean, and it's just some of the stuff that they do in this movie, it's just, it almost feels like it should not be possible. (laughs) Yeah. Like even like very early on when they're doing that vaudeville act, him and Donald O'Connor and Connor, and they're like doing the stuff with the fiddles and they're like doing like the Russian, like kicking while they're still playing the fiddle. I'm just like, how, how did you do that? Yeah. Like how many hours of practice did that take? Oh, like I, I, at at least a couple. (laughs) Look, it took at least 25 minutes to practice. Yeah. Yeah. No, like they worked really hard. And yeah, the, the thing about this is like, I I was being, I uh, being, I was joking by the way. I hope nobody thinks, oh my gosh, Aaron thinks that they, they've, organized a whole routine in 25 minutes <laughs> <laughs> no no uh, but no it's it's really a, a, a incredible showcase for gene kelly's talents mm-hmm. and also yeah i mean i i don't consider myself much of a dancer either but after watching this it made me want to go learn how to tap dance because yeah. it's just it looks so much fun the way that i mean yeah it's just gene you kelly watch these these movies and there's just sort of this almost electric jolt of energy just watching watching you know how 
out up and about these people are um there's just there's there's almost like a tangible sense of joy oh yeah like it's it really is like contagious like the the sense of uh just like exuberance they exude Mm -hmm. like it's like whoa like these people are like ecstatic like Mm -hmm. this is like the ultimate expression of joy Mm -hmm. right now right and it's just like one of the one of the things that you can really see was apparently like gene kelly was really about was that um like he viewed like dancing as as like sort of a form of like athleticism and it really is like the way that he's able to you know move his muscles and and stuff like that it, i absolutely consider it to be you know athletic oh yeah like i'm pretty sure if i tried any of his moves that i would either one like just like pass out <laughs> or like break every bone in my body all right um which brings me a little bit actually into uh, Donald O'Connor, who had his his big number, Make Him Laugh, which I read that he had to spend a little bit of time in the hospital after. Yeah, yeah, I I read about that, too. And I from from what I read, and I'm not sure if we we, we saw the same thing. Yeah. Um, was that so his the, the thing that really got him was the end of that number where he's doing the the running up the wall backflips right yeah um that he got really winded after that partially because and and that was something he used to do in his earlier in his career yeah and and he was encouraged to do it again i think by gene kelly Uh um even though it wasn't originally part of the plan yeah but part of the reason that it was so hard on him is that he smoked four packs of cigarettes a day. <laughs> um, so his lungs were just like <laughs> destroyed by that. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to say the part where he goes through the wall at the end. I mean, that may have also done it. Um, but no, it's, it's really like amazing to hear how intense um, like all of this is. Because, uh, the other thing I read was that, um, uh, was um, Debbie Reynolds. Um, she, you know, said that like dancing and like performing and singing the rain was like the hardest thing she's done alongside like giving childbirth. Yeah. And, and that after the, um, the good morning song that her feet were bleeding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can believe it too, especially when they're like, she's dancing in heels for most of not all of the movies. So, yeah. And I mean, for, I think for uh, ballet performers, ballet dancers, that uh, unfortunately uh-huh. uh, bleeding feet is is not too uncommon. Right? But still. Yeah. There, there's a scene in John Wick three where he goes to this ballet um, place that's like all the assassins go to, and there's just like this ballerina who just like tears like a a toenail off her big toe. <laughs> it's, oh, yeah. it's it's pretty gross. Yeah, I think something similar happens in Black Swan. Yeah. Um. But no, it was it was brutal. And something you mentioned to me uh, during the movie or before the movie started was that Debbie Reynolds wasn't even like a trained dancer. Yeah, no, she she was a gymnast. Yeah. Um, um, so she definitely was branching out. And I mean, and, and this was like the star career. She was only like 19 in this, um, yeah. which uh, interestingly, that's how old Carrie Fisher was when she played uh, Princess Leia in Star Wars. Ah, serendipity. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but the, the well, also like with with her not being really well versed in dancing, yeah. um, one of the other things I read and kind of just once again giving you an insight into the 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 chemistry between the yeah. trio. Um, apparently, Gene Kelly was really hard on Debbie Reynolds for right. yeah. not dancing up to his standard, mm-hmm. so much so that like she went and like cried under a piano mm-hmm. after the things he said. Yeah. And that it was uh, actually another famous dancer and actor, uh, Fred Astaire, who came and like lifted her spirits and mm-hmm. kind of like gave her some tips so that she yeah. was able to get back to it. Mm-hmm. And to, to Gene Kelly's credit, he later recognized that he was, you know, really, um, really off base with that and that he he really should have been kinder. Mm-hmm. So um, so they, you know, there, you know, was some some tension there, but. You know, you would never know from watching the film. Oh, no, absolutely not. Um, 
so uh, I think uh, we, we talked about Jean Hagen a little bit. So she's definitely like if there's the trio, then she's sort of like the, you know, the fourth, you know, main character. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she's just really fun as as the villain that it's almost like there's a way that like if they make it in a way like you you could have if painted differently felt bad for her but she's just such a diva that it's just so fun to dislike her yeah yeah and and i i do think she has a few points in there like i think like when she gets into like her legalese and like no these are my rights yeah she's got a point right she's got a point um and yeah i mean she is treated somewhat unfairly um so i i i can somewhat get behind her Mm -hmm. um but she is also, you know, just fun to kind of um, paint a target on. Yeah, right. she's she, you know, she's. I mean, once she goes after Debbie Reynolds, she's like, oh, she's bad. She can't do that. <laughs> yeah, she's I, like, I'm trying to think of like a good comparison. The first thing that came to mind was like, she's like the Draco Malfoy to uh-huh. to, to that trio, like Harry Potter. But I mean, that doesn't really fit. Um, is she kind of like one of the girls from Mean Girls? Uh, I don't know. You could maybe make that argument. I mean, she's kind of got a like a you don't belong in our group yeah. uh, quality. But I, I think, you know, the love triangle more than anything has the the similarities. If you can just think of other famous love triangles. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think. Yeah, those kind of like uh, stuff of characters are really fun. We've talked about this in other podcasts, like um, we talked about like Angelica from Rugrats, or just like they're they're so f- just fun villains to to root against. Yeah, yeah, and and one thing that I, I I find so fun about her is that like one of her repeated lines is like like what do you think I am dumb or something? Yeah, and. The, the answer that everyone is like thinking is like, yes, <laughs> um, but she actually is clever at times, like going in and, you know, uh, you know, trying to like break up the, the picture and kind of like saying that, like, she'll own the studio. Right. They the people do under, they underestimate her. Yeah. So I, I think there there is this sense like, oh, she's just like a dumb blonde. But like, no, she she knows you know, her rights, she's able to stand up for herself at times. And yeah, I mean, she, she is in the wrong for, for much of the movie. Mm-hmm. But I also think that um, the movie kind of paints her in a bad light. I think if we, if we reworked it, you know, I think we could put her in a more sympathetic light of like, oh, like she was this wonderful star and suddenly the studio just like, pull the rug out from her and look at this tragedy. Someone who was at the height of their stardom is now like, you know, made a laughing stock. Like, mm-hmm. I think you can make the argument for that. The movie it, doesn't do it, but you can make right. the argument. That would be an interesting version. I will admit. Um, but yeah, she's great though. And I, I, I think you laughed, I think a little too hard where they put the microphone in her dress and then the guy pulled the wire he says you can't put a you know a wire here it's dangerous and he just pulls it and she falls over i mean that was just excellent <laughs> like they, they that was wonderful setup like okay you know obviously they're still in the era where you need to have wires for all of your microphones yeah um so no that that was i think a beautiful payoff to I mean, that whole sequence is just hilarious of like her not understanding that you have to talk into the bush and like, and that, like you have to keep your head still. And like it's really like when you deal with people who do, who've never done, dealt with microphones like that stuff does happen like they just people don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is a, a somewhat relatable experience. But no, I think that's just like a, a wonderful payoff to that ongoing uh, joke of like this this is not working out very well like this transition mm-hmm. to talkies is is not going smoothly mm-hmm. um so i guess talking about some of the songs um so i think i think it's pretty clear for most people but i, I and i don't expect any 
disagreement, but I'll, I'll here, here I go. Um, so <laughs> the, uh, the, according to me and to the, uh, American film Institute, the three most memorable songs are singing in the rain, good morning and make them laugh. Do you disagree? No, no, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I was I, curious I, what the third one was going to be, but I, I yeah. definitely think it should um, be. I, I, I didn't know if you thought like maybe Moses supposes was one that you really liked. So that's my dark horse. I really like that <laughs> one. Um, but in terms of like memorable or uh-huh. like, um, you know, really, uh-huh. uh, scene stealing. Right. I wasn't sure. Also, like it's, it's weird. Like sometimes weird songs end up getting stuck in your head. So like one of like the throwaway songs where the guy was just, uh, in the beginning of the musical section with a beautiful girl song got stuck in my head. And it's like, it's just so like, it has like very little story significance. They could have cut it out, but for some reason the tune was memorable. I thought maybe, um, cause I know in your paper, you talk about the, uh, the uh when uh don takes kathy onto the sound stage and sort of serenades her uh that might have been one of your favorites i i do enjoy that i i enjoy just the theatricality of it and and i think there's something very romantic about it um i i will say once again most supposes i i really do love and maybe it's based on like a tongue twister but like in anticipation of us going to see this movie, it was stuck in my head for the entire week. Oh, and, okay. And that's not uncommon for just randomly get stuck in my head without uh-huh. like any clear warning. Um, but I, I will say to, to your points about um, like the beautiful girl montage um, being not totally necessary. Th- that's one of the things that I, I've taken away from this film after repeated viewings is that, I mean, it really is a vehicle for the songs and for the dance numbers. Oh, oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. Um... And so much so that I was reading that, I mean, that's kind of how it came about. That well, the... that's what they said at the beginning of the yeah. the, the intro uh, when Ben Mankiewicz was saying that, like, they had all these pre-existing music. There was only, like, one one maybe two songs that are original to the musical right which was mind-blowing thing i was like are you serious yeah yeah so the majority of the songs um were made previously by um mgm art yeah by mgm from arthur freed who was uh the producer um and uh nasio herb brown who was um, the uh, person who I think did the uh, the lyrics, so they, you know, or maybe 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 I'm getting that mixed up. Uh, <laughs> anyway, th- but most of the songs come from them from previous movies or uh, other you know projects they've worked on, and so it's like very recycled, but it's also like a greatest hits, um, and so kind of yeah, recognizing that more now it yeah makes sense. It, it would be interesting having seen most of those movies and then going to see this like what what the feeling would be because like we're coming from a totally different perspective yeah like like this movie those songs are so much more famous because they're in this movie than because of the movies they were in previously so right yeah i mean even um, you know, singing in the rain, like the the name of this movie <laughs> came from uh, a previous film, came right, from the, yeah. the Hollywood Review of 1929. Right, yeah, and Good Morning came from uh, like a Mickey Rooney, Judy Garland movie from like 1939. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. So it's it's just so so wild that mm-hmm. most of these weren't original. Like the the few examples of things that were original were uh make them laugh was was original but there is some thought that it may have been somewhat based off another song uh-huh. um and then uh moses supposes is uh-huh. is you know fully original yes to you know 
Joshua can champion that one more. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, so that yeah. one would, you know, win best original song because it's the only original right, song. Right. Um no, I no, I, I think all the songs are, are so fun though. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, and it does show you once again, like the plot is kind of secondary, and I think that's okay. But it it, it I the one other takeaway from this that I, I think knowing that helped me with the second view or with this most recent viewing is that it always bothered me that the Broadway melody section goes on for so long because mm-hmm. it feels like this is totally superfluous. Like there's yeah. no need for this. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, well, the whole point of this movie was to just have these song and dance numbers. So hey, and you want to know something else? What? That's how American in Paris ends. It ends with another dance number just like that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and but it feels even more tacked on than <laughs> it like it's like Gene Kelly sees um um his love interest and then he just has like sort of like a daydream that goes on for like ten minutes. <laughs> really funny. Uh, but but this one feels like there's more of a story to it, and that one it feels like completely like an interpretive dance. Mm. Um. Um. And then, though, in this, he even has sort of like a daydream within the whole, you know, Broadway montage. Yeah, there's a dream within a dream. A dream, going on. <laughs> dream within a dream. Um. But yeah, um. There's just so much to like about this movie. Um, even just like. I think I told you before that like one of the reasons that people really like a lot of these old musicals or just old like really old school Hollywood classics is like they love the way that the color looks in these old Technicolor movies. Like it is so vibrant. Like that scene when in in the Broadway section where he's he's dancing with the the flapper and like she's wearing like the greenest green you've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, it really pops. Right. <laughs> it's um yeah, uh, centuries. Yeah, and um that was uh something when Martin Scorsese made the uh the aviator uh that he first he, for some sections he copied like the two strip technicolor which was before they had the rest of the that color capability. And then when it gets to the three strip, which is the type of technicolor that's we know today, um, it has these the colors really pop. So mm. based on like the time period that that movie was set. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, once again, like with the like the dancing, like there are just moments of this movie that are just really electric. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, even just like some of the during that sort of like semi hallucination when like they're doing like the whole ballet part and just like the enormity of the stage that they're dancing on like sort of sucks you in oh yeah um which is i mean i wouldn't say that like oh my gosh like if you have if you haven't seen this movie on on a big screen like you haven't seen it but like i really do think that seeing it on a big screen adds a dimension to it. Oh, definitely. I, I think there is, um, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's not like watching a, like an epic, like, like Ben Hur, but like oh, there uh, is a scale to it that I, mean, I think Ben Hur is on my, my top, my top of my list on movies to, you know, see on the big screen. Does, um, does that not count the, the remake that we saw a few years ago? That does not count the remake. <laughs> <laughs> the terrible remake. With, Though to be, to be fair, uh, it was actually a remake of a remake. So. Oh well, that that makes it okay. Um, but no, no, I I agree that seeing it on a, on the big screen was it was a treat, and I, I'm thank you for you know the invite and for. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I could have just seen it without you. To been like, yeah, you'll just watch it on HBO Max. You're, you're not invited. Which you know, <laughs> would have been fine too, but. Uh, this was definitely the optimal viewing experience. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I guess um, getting in. Well, actually, before I get into that, I want to talk about there was another movie I watched in preparation for this movie. And it's a little movie called Cats Don't Dance. It's from 1997. 
and it's about cat a cat who's going to hollywood to make it big as a star and it's scott bakula from you know quantum leap you know trying to become a big star and it was inspired by uh the classic movies of yesteryear like singing in the rain um and it was it was kind of just cool watching that and seeing how much inspiration they drew from it and then watching the credits and seeing that the movie was dedicated to gene kelly who actually um collaborated with them a little bit before he passed uh the year before uh, I did not know about that because it's like it is very much a Gene Kelly movie. Um, he, unfortunately, it bombed at the box office. But yeah, I don't remember that being a particularly good movie. It's no, it's good. It's just it's not amazing, but it's good. But I I I do think it's a movie that you were more likely to appreciate if you have already seen some of the classic movies. Yeah, you know, cat don't dance. That's like a deep cut that we would normally cover on this podcast. I'm sure Alex is listening to this podcast. He's like, I know that. I have it on, you know, DVD. I remember I I sent Josh, you know, the 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 last number, upscale to 4K, <laughs> by somebody on YouTube because, you know, if somebody isn't upscaling, you know, our beloved box office bombs to 4K, then you know something's wrong because we have the technology we have the technology there's no reason why they couldn't like all you know all those movies that were advertised on the batman and robin vhs casto dance uh lost in space (laughs) uh oh uh oh what's the other one quest for camelot quest for camelot yeah quest for camelot upscale scaled in 4k and need it I, I will say I do want to rewatch that movie at some point. Right. Uh, People think, said it like killed the animation renaissance of the 90s. <laughs> I don't know if I believe that. That's brutal. But yeah. Uh, but but like I said, yeah, maybe if you don't appreciate the sort of the classic movies, you can catch those dance might not hit for you as well. I mean, it's it's gorgeously animated. It has has some good songs. Um, but um, I think that that can sort of be rectified i think now with i don't i think there's never been a, a better time to get into classic movies it's just so much easier now because back in the day you had to wait for like i guess technically we did go to a um a uh reissue or whatever but like it used to be like that's like you had to wait for like an anniversary, you know, uh, screening of the movie or a re-release. It's like now, like everything's on streaming or you can get it on Blu-ray. Um, you know, you know, I watch so many classic movies, um, as Josh can attest to. Um, I personally, I think the best, app for that is HO max um so next time you talk to you know alex and bill you can sort of give me a like a shadow vote for HO max <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it's just it's so much easier that the accessibility um and it's just sort of watching these classic movies really kind of transports you i feel like to another time period um mm-hmm. like like you 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 watch like rocky and like that is that's you know that is philadelphia in you know mid 1970s like that like there's no you know show you know no smoke and mirrors about it like it's like sort of like a almost a tangible part of history yeah no being able to to go and revisit these films is definitely a treat and right yeah with with streaming services it's definitely easier than ever before so i mean to to quote cats don't dance nothing's going to stop us now yeah <laughs> yeah well, yeah and it's just like learning about like different eras like this the the classic era of uh that like uh singing the rain is set in 
and then you have like the new hollywood area that like completely flipped everything on its head and like people were like they things were being shown in movies that like people never like you have like 2001 a space odyssey and like the exorcist and like like night of the living dead like like things is just like people didn't know movies could be that and then you have like obviously like the blockbuster era that we're in now you know that you know I think we kind of take for granted just how like big like movies like Jaws and Star Wars were when they first came out. So it's just like yeah, just watching those movies gives you a a, a lot of perspective. Um, I think, and I think Singing in the Rain, if you want to introduce your kids to the classic movies, is one of the the best to to start with because it is. It, I mean, it's not long. It's like a, a an hour and forty three minutes. It's it's in color for one thing <laughs> it's, it's got lots of, you know, singing and dancing, you know, when we were younger, we watched, um, sort of used to be a big event on TV was when wizard of Oz was on TV, usually in the spring. That's one of the few movies that we still own on VHS. Mm-hmm. As I look, Oh, I can't see it from here, but it's down there. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and just like, um, obviously, uh uh it's one for life it was on tv every christmas um yeah. 10 commandments will be on or was just on for easter and passover so there's just there there are a lot of uh different avenues uh and then obviously Disney Plus has, you know, their like entire catalog of, you know, you know, if you want to show your kids Bambi and scar, scar them for life, <laughs> <laughs> you can show them that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Some of those old Disney cartoons, they're, uh, they're questionable. Right. Uh, but no, no, you're, you're totally right. It's, it's, it's awesome to be able to revisit those or to visit them for the first time. So no, I mean, and I, I hope that that's something that we can do more with this podcast now that we've kind of opened the door to this this older era of film. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll be like, um, I'll, I'll look for like the most like random like movie um, I can find. <laughs> you, you know, I've, I've listened to, to, to Matt and Marissa's Oscar post, Oscar podcast, so I, I feel like I've got some familiarity with some some old films so i might need to like phone a friend and get some advice from them but uh or watch the like the cabinet dr caligari which we mentioned in our shutter island podcast <laughs> the german expressionism movie oh from the 1920s I, I might pass on that yeah uh, <laughs> but, but um i mean did you have any other thoughts uh, about this movie or uh I guess anything else. Um... Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, once again, like this, this movie is, is a classic. I, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned um, the wizard of Oz. Cause I feel like that, that is a, a similar um, like a similar in a similar vein of, uh-huh. of classic movie that um, I think everyone should should make time to watch uh um, willy wonk and the charlie factory they had the screening for that um last year oh okay yeah that that's also similar um yeah and it's i it's, mean the, it's funny because singing the rain is like the one movie that doesn't have something like a flying monkey or you know turning into like a blueberry that might like frighten a kid or a scary <laughs> tunnel <laughs> it was rated g <laughs> Ooh, what a mistake um but no it's no it's it's definitely a classic it's worth uh definitely worth checking out uh amazing that it was not you know more popular back in the day i, I think you briefly mentioned earlier that when it came for like award season you know it really didn't do anything at the academy yeah, it was Awards. just uh, gene hagan was nominated it was nominated for at that time musicals because there were there were more of them which we, i mean we could go a whole podcast on the state of musicals um at the box office anyway um that 
it did fine enough at the box office but yeah just uh best supporting actress best uh musical score in a musical uh but didn't win anything so yeah so just one of those many uh instances where you know the uh you know how well you do with the oscars is not necessarily a sign for how beloved or how um iconic you will eventually be as a movie or how well you do at the box office yeah that that also true yeah no this this was fun yeah any any closing thoughts from you um oh i i I read that apparently there was one scene during that whole broadway thing where he's dancing uh uh with the you mentioned the, the actress's name. I don't Citrice. know. Citrice. Yeah. Apparently like the, uh, the censors came in. It was like the Catholic league of decency and like some other thing said there, there was apparently one dance move they thought was too sultry. So, um, there's like an abrupt cut. And I think I noticed it when I watched it. So apparently that's that's because there was a complaint, <laughs> which was that that was just those again. That's what the old Hollywood era was was like. You you couldn't have anything too promiscuous. And then you you have these movies in the '60s and even like the later in the '50s that just kind of smash that. Mm. Uh, I mean, the only thing I have to say that is to release the Gene Kelly cut. Yeah, the Gene Kelly cut. Yeah. Yeah, which I, I don't know if we mentioned, but not only was he the star in this, he also choreographed the dances and he co-directed it with Stanley right. Donan. So yeah, uh, like there are uh, delete there are deleted scenes. There apparently there were um, a couple of um, when he sings "Lucky Star" at the end. They were originally supposed to have Debbie Reynolds sing that like beforehand, so that was supposed to be like a callback. Uh, yeah, so. Well, Aaron, if people want to watch this, you, you said it's on HBO Max. Uh, yeah, it's on HBO Max. I'm I'm sure it's you know, you buy it on Blu-ray if you really like it, or I don't know, maybe a Criterion Collection will make like a nice 4K transfer of it. Yeah, and probably on. I though people Classic were ups- people were upset with them recently with their uh, their transfer of uh, Citizen Kane. They they had a, a rare rare misstep though, <laughs> something that's just about. They, I think the, the 4K disc was fine, but they gave you like a bad uh, Blu-ray disc with it, <laughs> oh. which is it's unlike Criterion Collection. Well, Aaron, thank you for uh, once again for picking this and for the invite to go see it in theater. Uh-huh. Um, and I guess just as we're, we're wrapping up, do you have anything you want to plug or do you want to tell people where they can find your work? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm at Aaron Sarnecki on Twitter. Uh, I mostly just talk about stuff that I write or movies that I've watched. Um, speaking of like Chris, uh, not Christmas, Easter, uh, I was watching uh, Jesus of Nazareth interest, uh, recently, which I, it's just a really interesting miniseries back when miniseries were big in the 70s. Um, I'm about halfway through that. Um, it, it's cr- ridiculous how many stars are in like a tv miniseries that they're just like yeah you'll be in the mood in this for like maybe five minutes and then there's like four or five different oscar winners attached to it so but i i i've enjoyed it so far the actor who plays peter is really great yeah i mean that's that's kind of a, a peek into the future with like the prevalence of miniseries now with big names attached it's got ian mcshane plays judas a very young ian mcshane you know what that sounds like great casting right there yeah i can see that okay cool um yeah and then you know obviously people can also check out um our other podcast for this month i know the we we kind of botched the oh yeah i'm glad you mentioned that i blame joshua 100 (laughs) (laughs) throw him under the bus yeah we we were supposed this was supposed to become this is coming out before we recorded the other one you mentioned the Legend of Korra. Now you've messed it up. <laughs> okay, so the other thing we recorded is not going to come out till afterwards. But 
yeah spoilers and they're not gonna have they're not gonna know what you're talking about (laughs) people don't usually know what i'm talking about so that's okay (laughs) um but yeah so people can can listen to that one as well as well as our our podcast from um march um and you know our entire backlog of 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 podcasts i i was almost doing the math it's like i i'm kind of afraid to think of how many podcasts we've recorded it's kind of mind-boggling uh-huh. yeah um yeah but in, in addition to you know our anniversary brothers podcast people can also find me on the tv break podcast with um bill and alex this past month we talked about the um apple tv plus original um old no yeah no sleeping old horses sleeping horses something about horses <laughs> i i told i botched the name so many times because i know when i told you what it was i said it was something with lions all the king's horses all the king's men's can't pick josh's brain back up together again you know i resent that but also can't argue with that um slow horses slow horses um okay i got that i was there i was i was mostly there um so yeah we talked about slow horses and we all picked the same winner for the streamer of the the month which is a a rare feat so uh encourage people to check that out um yeah and then aaron do you want to give people any like clues for for next month's podcast you want to keep them keep them waiting um so it's not 100 percent decided yet um i think i know what we're doing for movie um tv i have to check what i have written down <laughs> Okay. Not a lot of TV shows come out in May usually, so it'll be interesting. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to go back to Corey in the house for another round. Uh, no, no, joking. Um, yeah. Well, I'm excited to find out what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, Aaron, thank you again for, for you know, this wonderful podcast. Everyone, thank you for, for listening. We hope you come back next time. And until next time, remember... Moses supposes his toes are roses, but Moses supposes erroneously.